Welcome to Jesus Unmasked, an invitation to join a search for the living Christ in scripture and our lives. In Jesus Unmasked, we believe that Jesus would wear a mask during the time of COVID, and so should everyone. Yet in this podcast, we seek to remove the masks of exclusive theology and violent cultural lenses that obscure the truth that Jesus is unconditional love. In the unmasked face of Jesus, there is hope, acceptance, and forgiveness that frees us from fear that we may live into our fullest selves as reflections of God's love. We explore scripture through the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and we use the Common Lectionary. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Jesus Unmasked here on the Raven Foundation Facebook page and on the Clackamas United Church of Christ Facebook page. I am Adam, and I'm here as always with my dear friend and colleague at the Raven Foundation, Lindsay Paris-Lopez. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Adam. Hi, friends. Uh, Lindsay, how's it going? Going pretty well. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. I've had a good morning. Uh, I just had, I just found out that I had a flat tire, so I took it to Les Schwab, and they were so nice. And they nice. fixed it for free and put it back on and did all the things. So I've had a very productive morning. It's not even, it's barely nine o'clock here on the West Coast, and I've already gotten my tire fixed. That's a win. That is a win. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. No, it's... Uh, it's really great that you were able to get it fixed that fast. That doesn't always happen. So I know, right? Yes, I, I'm very happy with it. So anyway, um, hey, Star, good to see hey, you. Star. Yes, awesome. So uh, friends, we've got a big question for us when it comes to the Bible. What do you do with the healing passages? Uh, this is a this can be a problematic passage. Hey, Lita, good to see you. Um, what do we do with these healings? Do we take them literally? Do we take them metaphorically? Do we take them both literally and metaphorically? What is happening in these passages? Lindsay, uh, what's your answer? I'm kidding. <laughs> I think we'll, ex we'll explore the answer together. This is a problematic question because I tend to have trouble um, believing in some of the smaller miracles. Like I, I experience I explain them as I explain them metaphorically. Um, and yet I believe in the resurrection, which is a pretty big one, uh -huh. and, and the incarnation, which is another pretty big one. Um so it so I haven't really figured out how to make my logic for that consistent. Um and if I tried worrying about it, I'd probably drive myself crazy. So I just don't. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. So our passage today is the end of Mark chapter 10. Uh, we've been in Mark 10 for a couple of weeks now. Uh, we, I think we started off with Jesus blessing the children in Mark 10, mm -hmm. probably four or five weeks ago. Um, the disciples want to keep the children away from Jesus because... Adults tend to treat children like they're annoying and they don't want them around. <laughs> this happens. Mm -hmm. This happened in um, the first century with the disciples and it frequently happens with churches today. Like uh, oftentimes we will um, want the children to be quiet and not be children as they are in our worship spaces. But Jesus says, let the children come to me as children. And uh, wouldn't that be 
I think that that would be great. So, and then we've got the rich man uh, who comes to Jesus and asks how he can have eternal life. And Jesus doesn't say what you might expect, which is, oh, believe in me. He says, mm -hmm. commandments. Uh, and if that's not good enough for you, then give all your money and uh, to the poor and then come follow me. So this is very Markin. Mark, Mark is not, uh, does not demand proper theology, but proper uh proper practice yeah or yeah not orthodoxy orthodoxy orthopraxy yes thank you yeah. yeah and yeah there's that running theme through through this chapter and and the book of mark and um i guess through the whole gospel too but mark makes it so explicit yeah. and that is Care for the people that you wouldn't think are important. Care for the people that you wouldn't think have any status. And um, not just care for them, but they are important. They are, they are, they're going first into the kingdom. The kingdom is being built around them. So they are the kingdom and the kingdom is built around them. So that is what you have to if you're looking for status or prestige, just just don't. You're looking in the wrong places. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the disciples, as we go along in chapter 10, uh, fight over which one of them is the greatest. And Jesus is like, hey, you've missed the point. Um, and they want like to be on the right side and the left side of Jesus when he comes into his kingdom. And Jesus is like, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, because he's going to go to the cross. And who's going to be on the right side and the left side when Jesus is sit seating, sitting on his throne of glory, high and lifted up, which is the cross. Uh, yeah. And uh, the disciples don't realize that that's what he's getting at. So yeah. Michael well, we, and Raylene. Other crucified criminals. Yes, other crucified criminals. Yeah, Michael and Raylene, good morning to you. Uh, if you so we're going to read the passage now, which is, math or mark 10 46 to 52 if you've got comments or questions about this passage feel free to put them in the comment section hey al good morning uh and um uh this is another part where jesus goes to someone who is marginalized who's on the outskirts of uh a, a loving and caring community and jesus brings him in. uh so this is a miracle story and we're gonna kind of discuss how do you deal with these miracle stories? So, yeah. um, so, so I will go ahead and read it. Okay. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, 
your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. So uh, there are a few things that I might bring up uh, that are interesting to me before we get to the big question of healings, <laughs> which is there's a play of words on son of. So bar in Hebrew means son of. So our first son of <laughs> um, is Bartimaeus. Uh, Bartimaeus, bar, means son of. Timaeus means unclean. Uh, it, so Bartimaeus, uh, literally the name is son of the unclean one. Mm -hmm. So right away we're getting into some like some interesting uh, names and meaning behind the names. Uh, and Jesus, the word or the 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 name that he is given by the man who is the son of the unclean one is Bar David, which is, right, son of, son of David. David. Mm -hmm. so son of the unclean ones recognizes Jesus as the son of David. And there's some really interesting things happening here because um, Bartimaeus is, it might be an actual individual, a person, uh, who is um, actually named Bartimaeus that they come across, or you could read this metaphorically. Uh, Jesus is always going to Bartimaeus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is always going to uh, the unclean or the those who are labeled as unclean by uh, by the religious religious elite of the day. That's where you're going to find Jesus with Bartimaeus. Uh, that's where you're going to find the son of David. We typically think of the son of David as the son of King David, um, who is the great military ruler. And we want another great military ruler in the line of David to come and destroy our enemies. But that's not what the true son of David does. The true son of David goes to those who are marginalized on the outcasts in order to bring them back into a community of love and acceptance. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that a literally blind man who is called son of the unclean one is someone who recognizes Jesus as son of David, um, even though that is rather questionable given Jesus's, um, given Jesus's parentage in, in scripture, um, yeah, because Mary was a virgin, and so Jesus is, um, the, the paternal side of Jesus's heritage is questioned. And if you look at the genealogies, it's interesting because they trace the genealogy to Joseph, who didn't really have a, a biological role, but he, he certainly had a, um, he certainly did have a paternal role in Jesus's life. So, so these literal definitions of what makes a father, what makes a son, and then what makes someone unclean, we have to wrestle with our basic definitions because they're all being subverted all at once in just a few short words, which is, which is pretty awesome, the way that the evangelist um, Mark presents this. Yeah, yeah. 
Another interesting thing is uh, where this all takes place. It takes place in Jericho. And uh, do you remember what happens in Jericho when the walls come tumbling down? Yeah. Yeah. It's Jericho is uh, the place where uh, the ancient Israelites, as the story says, uh, enter into the promised land and um, uh, enact all of these, uh, this war. Uh, and uh, this is a place of rebellion. It's, a, it's, it's, it's also a place of uh, political violence. Uh, King Herod had, some, had a palace uh, in Jericho. And so this is a place where there's like some political power uh, being wielded here. So what does it mean in Jericho to call someone the son of David? <laughs> the son of the King David, when the king could be living right there in Jericho as this event is taking place. Uh, it's a very subversive act. And so I think one of the reasons that the people who are around Jesus, the reason that they say, hey, dude, shut up, <laughs> is because Jesus like could be killed uh, if this guy gets too loud and uh, other people overhear it and see it as a politically subversive act. Yeah, yeah. Um, our friend George points out that there's no virgin birth or genealogy in Mark. And that's that's true. Mark goes straight to the point. He, there's, there's no birth story. Um, it, Jesus is the son of God and then immediately he gets to work in Mark. So that is, that is definitely true. Um, and, and I think that's that's part of the point that subverts the way we think about what it means to be important, whether it means coming from a particular family and what that means, or whether we're getting our sense of what's important completely upended. Um, and it's also interesting when you said um, Timaeus means unclean one, I had been thinking even before that, and I, I didn't realize that. So that's that's awesome. That does add a whole nother layer. But I was thinking about the Gospel of John, where Jesus heals a blind man and his disciples, the people who are following him. And apparently, um, apparently Bartimaeus becomes one of these followers. Um, but the disciples in John look at this blind man and say, who sinned, he or his father, that he's blind? So there is this assumption that if you are blind, you are being punished. Mm -hmm. and, and again, Jesus, Jesus completely upends that. That's not, that's not in Mark, but with Timaeus meaning unclean one, the, the same question is posed to us the same, we're left to wonder the same thing. Um, how do we think about blindness? How do we think about illness? Do we have a sense that somebody in that position deserves it? Um, and of course, we would hopefully all say no, that illness is, is not deserved. Hopefully, we would be beyond victim blaming like that. Um, so then we have to ask ourselves, is our society set up to, is our society set up in a victim blaming kind of way if 
we make people pay exorbitant amounts of money for health care and health insurance, for example, yeah. um, the more the more help they need, the more we make them pay. Is that a form of victim blaming on our part? So that's something to think about. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jesus asks Bartimaeus, uh, what do you want me to do for you? I think it's the same question we had last week when uh, James and John come to Jesus and say, hey, uh, do whatever we ask you to do, <laughs> right? And Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Uh, and they ask for the like seats at the right hand and the left hand when Jesus comes into his glory. The Bartimaeus here asks for, uh, let me see again, right? And so this is, I think, so important when it comes to our understanding of of prayer. I think we talked about prayer last week too. It's like we often feel guilty when we pray for ourselves. Um, we often think that, oh no, I should be praying for world peace or I should be praying for other people. Like frequently, like during worship services, when we have our prayer time, people will say, well, I feel really selfish offering a prayer for myself. But here Jesus, and in the last section, Jesus doesn't shame people for praying for themselves. He seems to be encouraging it. Right. Yeah. Like you matter and don't it's it's kind of like one of my pet peeves. I shouldn't I should I've never said this out loud, but one of my pet peeves is uh when people say just a thought after saying something. <laughs> you know, it's like mm -hmm. a thought, as if like your thought doesn't really matter, uh, or you're downplaying your thought. Um your thoughts matter, right? Like your prayers matter, even like as Jesus says, I pray to be a kind, or as George, Freudian slip, George, <laughs> as as George says, I pray to be a kinder person. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and here, uh, Bartimaeus prays for some kind of healing, like uh, to be able to see again. And this is where we might get into the problematic of like the, the miracle language, right? But what if the what if the miracle is that Bartim Jesus is a religious authority person who believes in this guy who has been marginalized throughout his whole life? In fact, his name, his whole identity is marginalization. His mm -hmm. name means that he is outcast. And what if the miracle is, oh my gosh, here is a religious authority that says, uh, you still matter. Yeah. And yeah. You belong in this, in this community. That to me is like the, is the main miracle of this passage. That's the main miracle. And it's not just that Jesus believes in him. It's that this man believes in himself, believes himself worthy to approach Jesus when people are telling him that he isn't. Right there in the story, they're saying, don't bother Jesus, be quiet, you know, keep quiet, we don't want to hear from you. And that's the same, the same thing um, as the people, parents or caregivers who would hold back their children from Jesus, the same message um, 
when everyone around them is saying you don't matter and when the assumption is that if you had faith or if you believed properly you would matter and you don't matter because you don't have enough faith um that's why you're being punished that's your father was unclean therefore you are unclean and this is all what you deserve based on our sense of what it means to worship God and believe in God. It means that if you are like this, you deserve it. Um, for this man to have enough faith in himself and enough faith in Jesus, just the kind of faith that would stick up for himself and say, I matter. Yeah. And it matters, you know, my my health matters and i'm not going to just resign myself to i'm not going to just resign myself to feeling like i deserve less than i actually deserve that's the kind of faith that drives him to jesus and it it does heal him it's it's something that we need in order to be the best that we can be, be our fullest and, and kindest selves. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, I want to also uh, want to recommend a book uh, that is so good on um, first century Judaism and uh, just to like make sure that we understand that um, Jesus is not the only religious authority at this time who is trying to include those who have been excluded, right? I mean, we can easily fall into the trap of anti-Semitism and thinking, oh, Jesus is the good guy and other first century Jews are the bad guys, right? Well, I, if, if you want more research on this, I highly recommend uh, Jesus First Century Rabbi by uh, David Zaslow. Uh, here's the book. It's just, it's the hardcover. Uh, there's the front of it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, uh, if you're wanting more on Jesus in his, uh, Jewishness, um, and why it's out of his Jewishness that he is inviting people into this community, uh, he gets it from, uh, oftentimes from like Isaiah, who Isaiah says, uh, uh, that God is, grafting, uh, bringing people that uh, are marginalized or have been marginalized, often because of religious uh, reasons, back into the fold. And Jesus is living out this uh, completely um, inclusive uh, religious aspect that he finds from within his own tradition in the prophets, uh, including in places like Isaiah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you go back to the very beginning of, of Judaism or the Jewish faith, um, it's God leading people out of slavery. Yeah. And so it's people coming to believe in themselves that they are worthy to be free, be more than slaves, be, you know, have their own agency. And um, so... So yeah, so there's a the the merciful strain of believing that believing that you are loved and believing that God loves everyone. That that goes yeah, you know, that goes all through Judaism. Um 
And uh, I think the idea that you get what you deserve um, and that anything bad that happens to you is, is punishment from God, I think that's a kind of human idea that God is working on our hearts to change. So not necessarily, um, not necessarily just Jewish, but just human. And the idea that that things are the way they are because God made them that way and they deserve to be that way, um, it, it can be human to fall into that kind of trap that if I were better, this wouldn't be happening to me. I, I guess I believe in a God, but God must not care about me. I think that, I mean, I've fallen into that, and I think that it's easy enough to fall into that. And, and I, think, I think faith really is the opposite of that. But then there could be people at the top of power structures who, who want to keep thinking that it's, you know, that it's all a matter of you getting what you deserve because we've got it good, so we deserve it, and they don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, and Bartimaeus gets it, right? Because he calls Jesus son of David, which is the highest point of the power structure, right? This is like the guy who's supposed to lead the power structures. And what does he ask for from the son of David? Not, yeah, he doesn't ask, hey, go kill my enemies. Or, mm -hmm. hey, do you see all of these people who are making fun of me because I'm blind? Uh, I'd like some revenge on them. No, he prays for, as Lindsay says, mercy. Like, mm -hmm. show me some mercy. <laughs> That's what, like, going back to your uh, earlier comment, Lindsay, about, like, how our healthcare system in the United States is often based on, uh, well, is puts people in debt. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, it's not based on mercy. It's it's based on... Um, profit? Profit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. So uh, here we get a subversive political message that is uh, subversive in so many different ways in the first century and in uh, our century today, too. So, uh, Lindsay, any uh, final comments? Well, we've got some comments in the chat. Uh, Raylene says, when we pray for self, it is asking for help and direction, acknowledging that we are perfectly imperfect. And that's, that's absolutely true. When we pray for ourselves, we had, were admitting that we need prayer, and that is a matter of faith in itself to to um, to put our trust in in something beyond ourselves and to pray for us to um, to pray ourselves into better selves. Um, uh, Teresa says there's a lot of that flying around lately. I'm not. I think okay. that came up when I was talking about anti-Semitism and using the Oh, so, oh I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I, I always, and you're then bad Judaism. Christianity is good. Judaism. I always I always really want to be careful about that and and it's so um anti-Semitism has been around a long time and when we talk about interpreting scripture, I think we do have to be very careful to be anti-anti-Semitic because a lot of, a lot of, you know, it's easy to fall into pitfalls that we don't even see unless we're looking out for them. So that's true. And Jessica says, wait, God loves me even if I don't pull myself 
up by my bootstraps or manifest a better life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Um, Mark is all anti-prosperity gospel, but even putting it that way is making a rivalry and a division that I don't like to do. But, but, um, but there's no... There's no prosperity gospel in this. This is this is a gospel of seeing the the beauty in where we would where the world tells us not to look for beauty. This is a gospel of of seeing the value where the world tells us not to look for value. Um, and it takes faith to do that. So. God loves you because you are human. Yeah. God loves you because God is love. Because to be human is to be a reflection of love. So, And God loves them because they are human. And God loves creation because creation is good. And uh, so let's not get so human-centric. Exactly. Say. Yeah, that's that's true. Let's, yes. let's um, expand beyond, especially in the age of uh, climate change. And um, so... Uh, there's work to do there as well, but uh, that's for oh. another episode. <laughs> oh, Teresa says I was actually speaking to the issue of you got sick because you weren't being good enough, faith uh, over fear, which I am into. But there is a twisted version of it going around. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what that's the theme of this whole conversation is that faith. I think the faith that heals is the faith that um, tells you you're worthy no matter whether you're sick or not, no matter whether you're injured or not. It's, it's, a, it's kind of anti-ableist kind of faith. It's a faith that says you are worthy, you are loved no matter what your condition, it's not your condition that tells you whether or not you're loved, you're loved anyway. And knowing that you're loved, you can seek out help when you need it. Instead of feeling unworthy of help, it is not, when you need help, it is not a sign that you are weak or unworthy or, or, um, or that there's anything wrong with you. I think that's the kind of faith that that really heals and not this sort of you would be well if only you had more faith kind of interpretation which i think some people have yeah um, yeah. yeah and I, I think there's also um i don't know if this is what you're getting at Teresa, but there's also like uh um there's a faith uh that god works through potential miracles like we're seeing in the gospel passage today there's also faith that god works through science mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> through vaccines and through masks and uh having faith in science does not mean that you don't have faith in god it means that you actually have uh faith that god can work through not just well I was going to say not just religious means, but it maybe it is a religious. Like God is not confined just to the Bible. Uh, God is bigger than all of these things, and isn't it such a great gift that God has given us in uh, in the modern age, especially the gift of science and the gift of vaccines and the gift of being able to 
uh, use scientific means in order to solve some of our biggest problems, like a giant pandemic. Mm -hmm. And if we had faith that we are all loved and all worthy of love, then maybe that faith would inspire us to help each other more, to change systems that put people into debt for seeking medical care, to change systems that make people sicker by not taking care of them in the first place. Um, and Teresa also says, we don't need to jump off a cliff to prove our faith, which is a great allusion to the temptation that Satan says, just throw yourself off a cliff and then the angels will lift you up and everyone will see. And yeah, that's an awesome allusion to that. We don't need to do that. We don't need we don't need to hurt ourselves to prove our faith. That's exactly the opposite of what this man does. You know, if there's any if there's any test of our faith, any way to prove it, it's really just by loving and taking care of each other. And isn't that a great miracle in and of itself? Like yeah. transforming our relationships so that we are no longer scapegoating people like Bartimaeus was scapegoated. Even his name is the name of the scapegoat, right? Uh, the unclean one and uh, son of the unclean one. And how do we change our relationships towards the homeless, towards, as Lindsay says, those who are uh, sick and they're put in medical debt? How do we change our relationship? I mean, that would be a massive miracle in the United States and in other countries if we were able to change our relationships with those who are marginalized, like Jesus is inviting us to do in this passage, so that we actually care for our fellow human beings who are loved because God is love, as Lindsay said earlier. So uh, so that's like the big miracle that maybe God is leading us towards is not like uh, zap, you're healed, but uh, transforming our hearts and minds so that we care for one another, uh, even those we think that may not deserve it for whatever reason. Uh, we do it anyway, because God's calling us to do that. So any final thoughts, Lindsay? I'll just read Raylene's comment so that it doesn't get lost. Um, yeah. It, here it's uh, Richard Rohr says the universal Christ, God Christ is present in all creation. So it is all potentially a tool for healing. That's, that's beautiful to see, to see the world as a source of goodness instead of worrying. Well, we still, we still have to worry about how we're treating the world, but if we approach the world as this is good and we have what we need to love and care for each other and approaching it um, knowing that it is good and that it is there for us to help each other with and enjoy instead of instead of hoard and fear that's um yeah that's that's the miracle amen to that thank you everybody for being here you can keep up with uh, Jesus Unmasked, wherever you listen to your podcasts on iTunes, Podbean, wherever. And uh, um, if you want to join us live, we are live each Wednesday at 11 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Pacific. Uh, thank you to Raylene and Teresa and George and, uh, and Al and uh, Michael and Lita and Star for joining us. <laughs> 
today with your comments and uh, friends we will do it all again next wednesday uh hope you can join us then uh until then god be with you friends god bless you jesus unmasked is produced by the raven foundation where we talk about faith and mimetic theory check out more of our work at ravenfoundation.org you can connect with raven on facebook twitter and instagram if you liked this episode feel free to share it with your friends or your enemies because Jesus calls us to love them too.